And I was super frustrated, not uh, DJing, not doing anything with the degree I just had. So he said, hey, it's going pretty well right now, After I think after a year. Why don't we start a record label? I want to start a record label, but I need you. I can find all the music and I can do artwork, but I need someone to kind of manage. Jens has always been into electronic music. Perhaps not always, but for the majority of his life, he's actually been very, very engaged and involved in the scene of the electronic house music here in Denmark. He has had quite a journey uh, with music. Uh, he's actually studied, uh, I believe it's music management uh, abroad in England and the US, and he actually uh, finished his uh, Um, music management degree here in uh, Denmark. Uh, we talk a little bit about that degree and what it's called and how you can study it here uh, on the show. So the actual like technical term of what the degree is called uh, is in the show. So if you're interested in that, um, yeah, then consider uh, continue listening. Um, yeah, uh, having this degree has naturally led him uh, to start his own record label together with a good friend of his, Pete Oak. Uh, the label is called uh, Blindfold and was started a, a couple of years back. Um, he's also part of the duo uh, called uh, Bime uh, with uh, Michael Melander from uh, CBHD and they are behind uh, a lot of melodic techno tracks. Uh, one of them and I think the most popular one is called The, uh, the Damned. Uh, it's a really, really great. Um, it's a really, really great track, and uh, if you have heard, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, I definitely think you should go and check that one out. Um, they've managed to, as by as, as the duo Bime, they've managed to play some really, really cool, like you know, proper bucket list, uh, proper bucket list gigs. They've played peak time at Watergate in Berlin, and they have also played a live set uh, on at uh, Roskilde Festival and uh, there's a recording of that if you want to watch um, their live set at Roskilde Festival you can find it on YouTube I think it's yeah just search for Bime uh, live at Roskilde Festival I think then they should show up yeah um, of course we are talking about uh, Bime and how Jens got into electronic music today and all that jazz but for the most part uh, the conversation actually was more about um, you know the behind the scenes of running a record label and how you start a record label and, and all that and uh, you know how you do A&R and what A&R is and And, and and how you like spot new artists and new talent and how you get signed to labels and all that stuff. So it's a lot more business side behind the scenes of uh, running a label and being an artist. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. Oh, have to remi- have to uh, remind you to do this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, before we start, don't forget to uh, subscribe and uh, like us on uh, YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube, and uh, yeah, and if you're listening to uh, and if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, hit subscribe and uh, write us a review over there. I um, I would actually really know uh, what you think of. I, I would love to know what you think of the show, uh, as uh, we can't get any better if we don't know what we uh, or what you guys. Um, want to uh, what to improve on one of the things that you might want to me to improve on is the fucking rambling um <laughs> so uh, without further ado uh, a conversation with jens christian is coming up mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Nim Sounds Behind the Beat. My name is Kasper Stup, and this is the show that aspires to inspire electronic musicians to create music, to do better marketing, and gain an overall better understanding of how the music industry works. We talk to people who influence the scene and try to gain an insight into how they work and how they have succeeded. Hopefully, by the end of this show, you will have learned a few tricks of the trade that you can implement to help you gain success in your music career. This is Behind the Beat by Nim Sound. My name is Casper Stoop, and I bid you a very warm welcome. The first thing I want to ask you about is uh, how you got, uh, how you initially got into electronic music. Very classic question, but yeah, it's always nice to know. Okay, great. Um, I'm 36 years old at yeah. the moment. <laughs> Just to kind of <laughs> just to kind of give a reference yeah. uh, as to when I got into it, mm-hmm. uh, so that would be I was listening to it in the mid '90s, so that's me, 14, probably. Most of the first things I listened to would be The Prodigy. Yeah. It's quite popular. Moby was quite popular, and then I think it kind of became all the nerdy stuff. Trance was quite big. Yeah, yeah. Trance moving into funky house and the start uh, noughties. Yeah. And then I kind of moved. It just came forever. <laughs> just kept kept like growing into to liking even more genres within that area. Yeah, yeah. Those are some very uh, hard, or well, fast at least, genres compared to what you're producing now as Bime. Uh, I think one of the things that I've heard people say, and I kind of believe it, is that uh, the productions uh, from the '90s or earlier. Uh, are not as good as they are today. Yeah. So we have more uh, equipment and software available at a cheaper price now so we can do better productions yeah. than we could in the 90s. So hence music was a lot faster because you could kind of mask your mistakes by doing that. <laughs> so if you try if you try and slow down a 142 BAP, BPM trance track now to 126, not to go too far away, it'll sound terrible. Like the kick is, there's no punch in the kick, uh, you know. But now we can produce a lot better, and everyone has most of the stuff available to them. Like, so it's easier. And you see, even like slow genres are becoming popular, right? I have been for the last few yeah. years. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, just to, back, <laughs> just to backtrack. Um, yeah, you are from uh, Olbo. Yes. Which is a, for people outside of Denmark, which is a city in... Uh, Jutland. In Jutland. And yes. how, like how many people live there? Good question. Uh, you don't, I don't know. Yeah, like what? what how big is this? Hundred thousand, maybe. Hundred thousand. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm guessing as well. I, let's, let's just I, guess. <laughs> no fact checking. Um, so you first got into electronic music back in Olbo. Uh, I've lived a lot of places. So Olbo is one of the places I've lived. I'd say my main passion was living in a little village with maybe five thousand people in the entire village, including surrounding yeah. area, like rural area. Oh. Uh, so super small place. No one listened to it. This is the beginning of the internet when it became mainstream. You would go to the library. Yeah. Napster is becoming popular, right? <laughs> this yeah. is what we are talking about. So my only influence back then and option to listen to this kind of music is actually uh, Viva, which is a German equivalent to MTV. And as Germany is a huge country for electronic music and was very early on, uh, having it as a mainstream thing, you could see the love parade. Like they would live broadcast all weekend. 
yeah. for instance. That would be an example. Or they listen to a happy hardcore. You could hear happy hardcore or Gabba or have Carl Cox DJ on that on that network. Oh, that's that's cool. That's a, a little while ago though. But that's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you when you first got into electronic music? Did you like uh, know from the get go, or like I want to be a DJ and I want to produce music, or like? Uh, actually, my passion for that kind of music, I love all sorts of genres. It's not specific to electronic music. I'd say yeah. DJing, it's around the same time, actually. So we're talking me being, uh, what is it, like 14, 15 years old again. Yeah. Uh, but learning to DJ as you do in a small rural country with a mobile disco. So you would have to play any genre, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's how I was taught to DJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Uh, I didn't do it that much, to be honest. Not commercially. I oh. did it at, like a youth club, ah, basically. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I would have, I would be part of it, and we could like order CDs. We would kind of vote for what CDs should we get this month. Uh, yeah, and people then, didn't have their own CDs at where we played. We like kind of all came with our own, and then we had like a big pile. They would have have money for us. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I know that uh, you uh, actually got into because it's sort of weird because um, the way I got into uh, electronic music here in uh, in Denmark, I, I was sitting outside of uh, Roskilde in a small town there, and I thought like I was the only one listening to you know house music and stuff like that, and then I actually found uh, Brian Berg from uh, from Arbol, and I like I really admired him at that point in time, and I was like what. I had to, and I still like, I still like him, and I admire his work. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and um, so I wrote him, and was like, "Hey, I'm sitting here, and blah blah blah." And like, I felt very, you know, isolated. He was like, "No, no, 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 no. Go to uh, Culture Box, and blah blah blah." And he introduced me to Wonge and all of the other guys um, to their music. And it seems like there are two places where things are actually somewhat thriving. In Denmark, and it's Copenhagen, and it's Olbo. I think Olbo has kind of like this uh, cool, vibrant deep house scene, and housey scene, or at least it had like a couple of years ago. I don't know how like how was it back then, and like compared to now, you think? I would say my relationship with uh, DJing and DJing electronic music mm-hmm. when I really got into it was uh, probably two thousand and two. We were list. I would go to Visto. Yeah. which is the, the the number one club for for electronic music back then. Yeah. At least house music. Yeah. So we're talking house music, deep house, soulful house, funky house. There's nothing called minimal yet. No. Like, techno still exists, but it was not something you could play in in a this was an up, up like upper class uh, club, you know, like people who had money and we couldn't afford yeah. the drinks in there anyway. But we went because of the cool music and uh, Noir was the resident DJ back then and he played funky house and R&B and disco yeah um, but that's what that's what got me into it and that's what uh, like they were they were the champions at least for from my point of view and all the people looking up to them were everyone you talk about now so you talk about Ronge you talk about uh, uh, Kim Cornum or you talk about Sibusko or there's like a whole range of people producing different genres but they have um, kind of managed to kind of stay together and yeah. help each other out uh, right now definitely I would say it's Deep House related or Disco House or quite sample based yeah. uh, predominantly in Oldborn 
but back then it was a lot more. Like we had Dead Mouse play for I don't know 100 people because Noir had him have had him on his label before he went uh, full full on EDM star, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I've always found it kind of cool that it's been sort of divided yeah. like that. It's it's been it's it's been rather odd. So there are two things I kind of want to talk about today. Or I have like a, I have a ton of questions actually, so I highly doubt we'll get through them all. So you have to come back someday. But I want to talk about um, your project, Bime, which is uh, your artist name, and you are in a, it's a duel, right? Yes. And it is pronounced Bime. Yes. Right. Not by me, Bime or by me. Or, Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Well, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Service announcement. Yeah. Um, like, how did you start, like, this duo with Michael? Like, how did you guys meet? How did you go become a duo who was played at Roskilde Festival and uh, Watergate? And okay, yeah. Um, started out, actually, you have to step back a little bit before I met Michael. Yeah. Um, I moved to Copenhagen, what, five, six years ago? Six years, I think. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone in Copenhagen. Uh, but it didn't take me a year till I created a record label uh, with my friend from Alborg, who had become more and more popular. So he thought, I'd start a label. Who do I do it with? That would be me. So Pete Oak and me together created what's called Blindfold Recordings. Yeah. And Pete became popular in Copenhagen. And that is... <coughs> and the record label kind of ma- made it so that people in Copenhagen noticed who I was because I was not a, a performing artist of anything. And I kind of, I, 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 I stopped DJing for a while. Yeah. Um, so I met Michael uh, through the record label. And that's kind of what gave me the in to the Copenhagen scene because I did something not everyone was doing. Um, not everyone has their own record label. So mm. that kind of gave me a bump up and made it so that we could talk. And we hit it off super quick uh, for meeting each other. <coughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> It's that time of year, all clocked up yeah. and yeah, running noses and stuff. Yeah, sorry, continue. Um, we met at a QA and uh, for uh, Kulsch, actually, during okay. Sonar in Copenhagen. Yeah. Uh, that one year they tried it. Um, and he invited me in uh, super quickly uh, to join his parties. As yeah. you might have heard of, he's part of CBH Deep, which I'm also part of. Uh, so I was invited in and got to meet everyone in that area. And then we went, it didn't take long before we went into the studio actually. And he wanted feedback on music and whatnot. And that's kind of the the beginning. And then we start going out every weekend because I'm single. He was single. We would party every week and he would, he was a full-time DJ then playing all sorts of music. And then I would kind of, Oh, this is a boring kid. Can I DJ with you? Sure. And we would play together and he realized, okay, you're pretty decent as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So BIME was a solo project to begin with, the name BIME. Uh, but, and then he released on my record label with Pete. Uh, yeah. He did a remix for us. And then we started just DJing together all the time. And he invited me in to become part of BIME. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, okay. yeah, January, it's four years then, yeah, since we officially decided we are called BIME, and that is our shared name. Okay. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, when I produce music, I find it kind of hard to uh, to compromise on ideas. How do you work together, like, constructively and not just, like... It's changed over time. shit out of each other. <laughs> I think it's changed over time, and you, de- you definitely need to kill your darlings yeah. uh, in some areas. But we each have our force in uh, what we do together becomes a greater thing than if we were to work alone yeah. separately at least at the stage we're at right now and was earlier so michael is more artistic mm. and i'm more uh, probably the, the the boring business side if you can say that so i'm all about marketing management uh, figuring out the new strategy how do we do this or how do we work out that or we yeah. should get a booking contract how would how do we do that uh, how do we ensure we get our money all the Boring stuff, if you will. If you will, yeah. Yeah, and Michael definitely does not have a problem with me handling this handling that. all by myself. <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah. yeah, but you have the, you've actually been like educated in like music management or something like that, right? Yeah, I have a bachelor in music management from mm-hmm. England and yeah. also from uh, America in Miami, and right. a master's as well. On top of that, here from Copenhagen. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Well, then I. Uh, kind of makes sense that uh, that Michael is not in charge of uh, yeah. of that. Yeah. Okay. So you can say experience-wise, I have it from the school, and then I put it into practice with uh, BIM as like, okay, if I can decide everything around what happens here, what yeah. happens then? So it was like a live practice test case, if you will. And the yeah. record label is the same. It's basically taking what I've learned in school and put it into practice. Okay. So what, like, where did you go to school in uh, England and U.S.? Just for people out there, perhaps like interested in yeah. doing that themselves. In England, there's more than one, but the one I chose was the oldest one. So this one has been around since the start '90s, actually. Yeah, it's not something you can study anywhere, but it's basically a business and marketing degree in music, and it's a city called High Wycombe. Yeah. Um, Is it uh, like um, you pay for it yourself, or yes, like because uh, at least for a Dane, you have to pay uh, to study. Back then it was rather cheap. It was like three thousand pounds a year, plus you have to cover everything else. You yeah. would get ISU with you, but like the grant from Denmark, but that's it. And then at my exchange in Miami was an even swap, so I didn't pay because the Americans would send people to uh, ah. to, to to just outside London in High Wycombe as well. So that was okay. So I'd still pay the three thousand, and then I'll go to Miami, Florida. And the reason for choosing that. Besides partying and the great weather, <laughs> yeah. was the Winter Music Conference, which yeah. at the time and still is today one of the biggest music conferences with electronic music. Yeah. Uh, besides ADE uh, Amsterdam Dance Event. Okay. So that's the reason it was perfect. It started in the semester I had chosen. That's where you could go to this conference and find all the best artists and all the best managers and all the best anything. So that, that was my choice. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what degree do you have uh, from uh, Denmark? In Denmark, it's called Management of Creative Business Processes from CBS. Okay. So it's a bit wider. bit wider, yeah. All right. Um, just uh, that was like, yeah. you know, uh, getting uh, the conversation off straight. But um, so you have worked together in a spy for quite a long time. Like, are there any, like, uh, mistakes, you know, to avoid when you, like, I assume you've 
throughout a friendship you like bump heads. I assume it's like a kind of like a marriage or something like that. Uh, we're definitely married. <laughs> <laughs> we're more married than uh, me and him are more married than he is to his girlfriend. <laughs> And people know can hear that when we talk. Yeah, yeah. I could, we uh, bicker a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while we do, but yeah. But are there any like? Can you give me like? I'm terrible at collaborating with people. Yeah, like in the studio. How do I become better? And um, again, it's back to killing your darlings. I think because yeah. for for me, I'm not in the studio every time he's producing music. Mm. Anymore. In the beginning, I was there quite a lot, but I work a lot. Uh, both me and Michael have a full-time job. We both do uh, bime, meaning yeah. we play out. We also, he's part of uh, Blindfold as well now. We also run a record label. We're also part of CBS Deep, producing at least, for me, I was doing radio once a month, one Saturday a, a week, uh, sorry, a month. And on top of that, we would also promote parties. So I hadn't, Basically, I never had a day off, so it became a bit much. Yeah, that that's a long time, man. Yeah. Um, but it was fun, you know. But again, we kind of split it up so that he would he's more studio-based now and I'm more uh, on, a, on, a, on the aspect of everything else. I'll yeah. still give him feedback on music, but the general direction he's going in right now we're pretty we're, we're pretty pretty much in agreement on on all yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, I assume it becomes easier the longer you work together. Yeah, we kind of figure out what uh, what is this person good at, what is that person good at, um, and then divide yeah. the. Uh, yeah, he's the he's probably a little bit more unstructured in his approach to things, and he's more brave. He'll take more chances, not just in music production, but also in saying yes to things. Uh, and I'm probably more uh, controlling, and I'll try to strategize and use a lot of time to make the perfect plan. Um, so we kind yeah. of push each other in a good direction. Uh, so yeah, we both bring something to the table. Yeah, and I guess it becomes easier when you found a style for for the for the for the Bime label, because um, I I very much think you do have sort of a certain style to your tracks. How do you, do you, like how do you go about like finding a certain style? How have have you just like is it just spending hours or like for the record label or for the uh, for the uh, for for the uh, bime for bime for, yeah uh, like, I think it's just over time you yeah. kind of figure out what is at least there's some some elements that are quite popular yeah and it happens over time I don't think no one's static you know but you yeah. kind of figure out okay I like it at least in this speed and I like these keys. And I like uh, using this type of like in this in this in uh, when we released with Syncopat this fall, tracks are really uh, were done the year before, and what was super hot that year was taking uh, drums, you know, like uh, bongo drums and uh, like something that had different uh, reverbs on, for yeah. instance, would make a a fun impact on on it, and that's quite unique, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing, or it's or it could be super slow because we are most of our tracks are not that fast actually. Even our, like it, I would say a banger. We're talking yeah. 118 BPM. It's quite slow compared to what's out there today. Yeah, I remember at Roskill you played like the I think it was the last track you yeah. played. That was 118. Yes, is that out yet? Uh, yes, came out in August. It came out in August. Okay, yeah. that's good. That's good. One of the releases in August. Um, yeah. We already spoke about it a little bit, um, but I kind of want to backtrack to that because 
I find that quite kind of an intriguing thing about you. Um, the whole blindfold label. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, you said you and Pete met in in Aalborg, right? Yeah. Like, how did you guys meet back uh, then? Uh, yeah, funny story. Yeah. Uh, in Aalborg, they were trying to do events and to showcase uh, talent from Aalborg, uh, bringing in uh, both old and new. So they would bring in people who were super cool 10 years ago. They moved <laughs> somewhere else. So they they basically made an event called Fuck You, I'm from Aalborg. <laughs> Only booking DJs who are from Aalborg or still live there. Yeah. And then matching in them up uh, to play back to back. So all night is back to back, two and two and two and two. So they it was yeah, Aalborg local residents. Yeah. They kind of came up with the the concept and it worked super well because you would get like 10 DJs in one night and people would network across uh, and it would be all sorts of genres. It would be, there would be a dude doing drum and bass, there would be dubstep, it would be house, it would be techno, it would be everything. So it's kind of a weird mishmash, but they tried to kind of set it up so it became like a kind of streamlined evening. But then but, again, it yeah. was not. But yeah. but yeah, me and Pete were, were, were kind of put together by the, the, the promoters and they thought, okay, you might be a good match. And uh, me as the big planner, I was super nervous, and I thought, "Oh, what do I do? I need to figure out what he's playing." So, uh, yeah, so I so, so I kind of booked him in to say, "Hey, can we maybe meet before we we just turn up?" Uh, yeah, because it might be a bit weird because I don't know what you're playing. This is yeah, pre SoundCloud almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, and then we kind of met and uh, turned up super well, and then he knew I'd I'd moved to Copenhagen. And he started producing and releasing a new disco back then on Sleazy Deep. And he had his big breakthrough. And that did so that he would come and play in, in, in Copenhagen once in a while. And he would sleep on my couch. Ah, and was... I was super frustrated, not uh, DJing, not doing anything with the degree I just had. I was starting to study again. Yeah. yeah. So oh, he yeah. said, hey, it's going pretty well right now. After I think after a year. Why don't we start a record label? I want to start a record label, but I need you. Uh, right. I can find all the music and I can do artwork, but I need someone to kind of manage everything else. Yeah, now said. But that's how how you got started. Yes. Okay. Um, you still live in uh, Copenhagen. I Or do. You, you live in Copenhagen. I know that. Um, Pete lives in Aalborg. Pete, li- Pete lives in Aalborg. Yes. Right. How do you go about like uh, managing a label together uh, when there's so much like distance between you guys? Uh, a lot of online communication. I would say yeah. Pete's not as involved as he used to be. No. Uh, since Michael joined, Michael's kind of taken on the role uh, as head A&R. Yeah. A&R is artist and repertoire, so people who kind of find new talent and develop them. Yeah. Okay. So, but we're all A&Rs, but he's primary on that and then I'm on marketing and distribution and yeah what all this stuff he doesn't want to do <laughs> basically <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> but yeah we had a meeting Monday on Skype for instance and then yeah. I would do a, an agenda in uh, Google Docs and that would be our agenda for the meeting and then I would jog in notes and it would we would just take it on Skype an evening and say let's talk for an hour and figure it out and then we might have a follow-up meeting or give tasks to people basically So who's the team behind Blindfold? Like, how many people are you in Blindfold? Um, 
at the moment we're three uh, shared owners of this. Yeah. So me and Pete started it, and Michael bought his way in after a few years. So yeah. he's a he's a part owner as well. Uh, and then over time, we've used uh, outsourced different tasks. So for instance, we used to do our own graphic design to begin with. Pete was doing that, but he's too busy now, so he can't. Yeah. So and we found someone who's even better at it actually, which is Michael's uh, girlfriend of two years. So the last two years, almost yeah. to the day, uh, she's been doing all graphic design for us. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so, how do you go about starting a label? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I've, I've written down here. How do you go about starting a label? What is a distributor, and what is an A and R? How slash what is a great deal, and that means a distribution deal. Like, how do you go about like? Because f- to me, it would be like a daunting, very daunting thing to do, yeah. like starting a record label. It and depends. Like, I kind of on your music. ambitions. Let's say, um, what you're paying for today. As an artist to a record label, like the collaborations you do today is not the same as it used to be because we've kind of moved away from physical mediums. So yeah. you would, you're not buying CDs or cassette tapes that much anymore. Vinyls has, has a resurgence for sure, but it's not that common. You know, most labels now are primarily digital. Yeah. And that's what the record labels back in the day, that's the power they had, the power of distribution. That's yeah. what you would sign on for because you couldn't distribute it yourself it was impossible two you pay for marketing marketing and connections that's why you decide to collaborate with a record label okay but how do you actually start it uh, like today if today, you if you when, if, when you started uh, blindfold like yeah. where how did you go about it like how do you go about starting your very own label we researched uh, you can search online and say how do i get my music on uh, spotify yeah And there's the kind of two ways. There's one where it's direct artists to a platform via an aggregator. That's what they call them. Yeah. Um, it could be CD Baby or something similar. Um, but for us, we kind of looked for who can we partner up with uh, that's not that's meant for record labels, so no bulk. Instead yeah. of one release a year, maybe we can do. We're going to do a lot more. So we were we were kind of looking at deals. What were they all of them kind of giving us, and what would we prefer to get? So we kind of asked actually other artists uh, that had record labels and said, "Who are you with? And do we like them? And what's good? What's bad?" So we researched the market. One, yeah. two. We found out okay, this guy we kind of trust. It seems like he's a pretty decent guy. We found one person, one person company, basically. Okay. And what he provided was um, he would handle contracts for us. We did, I did uh, draw, uh, do our own contracts, but I gave them to him, and then he could kind of do like digital contract signing for me. Um, we also outsourced to him. That's he's getting a higher cut than we would get without it, but he's handling royalty statements, for instance. Yeah. So I sent him expense sheets for each release and say this is the amount of expenses we had. And then he'll sort it out for me. So he'll send every year, say, here's a statement for the artist. You can just email them out now. Okay. Which is probably <coughs> today is one of the most annoying admin tasks you can get. And that's actually one of the reasons why we chose uh, that distributor. That was the reason for it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, good, bad deal. I'd say it's difficult to say because it depends on how big it is. Because some of them have direct deals and some of them don't. Um, so it's it's, it's kind of hard to say. 
What would you think the most important thing is to focus on when you're starting a label? Is um, having the right partners in place. <coughs> yeah. Getting the best possible team. Because uh, you can say today, our record label is a curator of uh, music, at least in electronic music we work with. With most of them are boutique labels, meaning they are focused on quite a small niche. Uh, can be the same sound or similar sound. You have to find someone who also likes that. Otherwise, it's going to be difficult to kind of collaborate. Yeah. Uh, two, your marketing company. You're going to want to create. Uh, media stuff so you're going to be making artwork you're going to be making videos you're going to be making taking pictures all this is content that needs to be created you need to have someone who's who's able to do that otherwise you'll be poor very very quickly so it won't be possible for you to actually be profitable if unless you can find someone who can do it either dirt cheap or you can find someone who will be part owner and do that work for you okay yeah so you need the right skills kind of Yeah, you to need to assemble a team or find people to work with. That yeah. so one, you need an admin guy who's kind of like has basic knowledge of uh, <laughs> yeah. how to make a contract, how do we do basic transactions, what do we do, how do we send invoices, stuff like that. Yeah, I learned that on the go. So, <laughs> and that I think most people should just try and see what happens. I don't think it, it's not that difficult. You need someone to do media stuff for you. You need someone who can write press releases and write emails to people because if you want to promote something, most of it is primarily by networking, either via Facebook or email. Or, so your network is quite important. So if you can find someone who already has a network that's super strong, that's very important too. Or artists have connections to other artists. So if you want to release music, starting out is super difficult because who wants to sign a track to a label that has no releases? Yeah. That's yeah. the most difficult part, actually. That is finding one music that you think is good enough, and two artists is actually willing to release with you, even though they know you're a rookie. Yeah, that gotta be hard. Like, how did you 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 didn't really go about it with like because you had sort of Pete Oak. Um, we had we, we had we had a super good combo because he was big enough that he was touring around. He was playing all sorts of places at the time. It was quite hot. Like he would play. Uh, he played New York. For instance, and he played uh, Cairo. Two of our artists the first year, one was from New York, okay. one was from Cairo. Ah, okay. Actually, two yeah. from Cairo. Okay. Yeah. So wherever he went, he would meet local DJs, and some of them would be fans of him and go up and say, "Hey, who are you? What's up?" And then that's how we made the connection. And because of his brand, we utilized that as a way to start the label. So he was the face of the label. Maybe not so much today. We don't we don't market it as such anymore, at least. No. But that was the spirit for us: is saying, Pete is pretty cool. Uh, follow him. This is yeah. his record label. So I was in the back, like I was not even mentioned. I was trying to kind of focus it on it being him. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, like you talked a little bit about it, but uh, what are some of the benefits of? Uh of like uh, releasing on your own label and owning your own label? Uh, releasing on your own label, you have 100% creative freedom to do whatever you want and you can yeah. spend as much money as you possibly have. <laughs> <laughs> Throw money at it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. so things don't have to be profitable mm. if you do it yourself. Normally, a record label is set into the world to make money. 
Yeah. A lot of record labels don't make money. But does record labels start that way? Doesn't record labels like... They definitely have an idea that they are going to make money. But maybe yeah. they don't know how much money is in the business or they chose in a niche that's too small or... You know, it's very difficult to say if you're if you're gonna make money or not, and you need to kind of figure it. Like, we need to figure out who's good at mastering. Like, what companies should we work with for this? Yeah. Are there any? Should we should make a mailing list? We need to send DJs some promos so we can get feedback. So we hope it'll market it so we can be played on the radio. There's all yeah. sorts of things you kind of need, right? Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what would some of the downsides be to owning your own label compared to like releasing on? Like another label, like what's the benefit of releasing on another label? Um, I would say, uh, uh, Bime and Pete Oak don't primarily release. Well, actually, we do primarily release on our own label now, but we do release on other record labels as well. So either it can be um, kind of swapping deals. So, for instance, we might remix someone from a friend's label, and then they might return a favor. So, some of it is actually swapping favors to make things work. So you can see who's mm. good friends by who's remixing each other often. Yeah. Uh, someone has a network usually, otherwise they don't happen, unless you have money up front for a remix. And yeah. it's not that common, at least in, in, in the circles that, that we're in. But you don't have to pay any money by releasing on another label. You don't have to create artwork. You don't have to... You don't. You basically can choose someone who has a really good network and a good brand value for you. Yeah. I'd say we don't primarily look for who's going to make us the most money for our music. We look at who would be cool to collaborate with yeah. in terms of how is BIM going to look if we release on this record label. Will we look good and will they have better reach so we reach more people? We're a small group. We have not even 2,000 people on Facebook. But how do we ensure we reach a bigger market? Yeah, And that's by kind of figuring out, okay, which record labels would be like a cool collaboration. Or what club, same goes for nightclubs, like you would really want to play at that one, because if you say you played here, then that's a stamp that you're good enough, right? Yeah. So you're kind of looking for all those stamps, and slowly, but surely, people will be talking about you. And it's a long process. I would say, if I have to give you one advice, yeah. uh, both as a record label and as an artist, is uh, persistency. Yeah. It takes us. It takes a long time, a lot longer than you think it's gonna take you. There's gonna be so many times when you doubt yourself and think, "Okay, I'm gonna give up." Yeah. But then you kind of power through, and something happens. It's kind of like looking at a wall and figuring out, "Okay, I can't. I, I can't go any further. Maybe I should step back a bit and turn turn left or turn right, and then try and move forward again." Yeah. It takes a long time to kind of do this, and. But you also have to kind of celebrate your victories, right? Yeah. Figuring out when did I reach this? So we, at least for me, I put a, I made a huge bucket list. You made a huge bucket list. I have a huge bucket list of things I would consider being cool to do, and then putting them like what's at the top and what's at the, like what are the easy ones to do. So if you make like a huge list of things you really want to do, and how are you going to get there? So you could say I really want to be number one on Beatport. Yeah, like the main chart. How do I do that? Okay, mm, what are the chances of getting that? That's probably getting I, one. I have to be really good at making music. Two, I have to be really good at marketing. Three, I have to find the right way to make that happen. What's on the top of your bucket list, if I can ask? Uh, do you remember that? I did it primarily for the record label to begin with. I don't. Yeah. I would say a lot of the things we, 
I had are already on the bucket list. So one would be uh, first play on Radio One, Pete Tong's uh, radio show. It's the number one radio program in the world and that has been sense, for yeah. a very long time. Uh, one could be uh, Essential Mix, being a, being asked to do an Essential Mix, uh, or playing at the cool clubs. That's also yeah. on the on the bucket list. That's also on the bucket list. Or saying, okay, I quit my job. That's on my bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Making a living for okay, cool. Um, so owning a label, I assume you uh, get sent a lot of uh, of promos. Oh yes. Both promos and demos. I would say demo-wise, we get a lot. Yeah, I just, I mean, oh, sorry, I, I meant that demos. Yeah, I just promos. I just checked today, and I think at the moment I have a thousand unread. Jeez. Um, How? And we're a small label, right? Still compared to some. Yeah. So when you're looking, like, how do you apply to a label properly? Um, like, how do you like? What are some of the things that you're looking at uh, when you're opening an email and listening to a track? What are some of the like the stuff you're looking at? Um, you can say our record label is still part-time job. We do this yeah. after we get home from work. Yeah. So there's not endless amount of hours in the day. So one is listening to what comes in. Yeah. That could be one way. So probably a lot of the demos we get, are, they'll have a subject and they'll have a SoundCloud link. But no greeting, no nothing. That's just it. Really? Yes. You would still, hi, X. Or you can see, hi, hey you. We know it's been sent BCC to maybe yeah. 50 emails. It's not specific. Like They're no. just kind of shooting blanks. They're trying to figure out if someone will bite. And that's not the way to go. I would say the best way is to present you in a cool manner so people will want to collaborate with you. So yeah. get yourself in order. One thing is... How how do, how does uh, your artist brand look like? Like, are you are you active on social media? Do you have a logo? Do you have press shots? Do you have a bio? Do you have all these things in order that are basics that people will look at? Yeah. Uh, do you have a following? Are people actually looking at what you're doing? Uh, um, it could be what are your ambitions? Like we've signed stuff back in the day where the track was good, but the artist didn't really have ambitions to be a full time anything so the collaboration kind of stopped because yeah. if we would we would prefer to work with people who have a passion for this big enough that it could be a long relationship everyone has the idea of saying uh, our record label is a family but yeah yeah some are but and some a lot of the or most of them just say they are <laughs> <laughs> so like do you write that in the email hey i want to make a living from this like, do you write it in the email? Like? No, but you can see it indirectly, I would say. But yeah. that would be a question later on. Or it could be a question later on. What do you yeah. want to accomplish? Uh, what What are your hopes and dreams? What do you think? Because yeah, there's a lot of questions people don't ask themselves. And if they're young, uh, they haven't thought out that far. Maybe just think it'd be cool to fly around on a jet or I don't know. It yeah. People are in, in this game for different reasons. Yeah, You know, we've been working for free for you know, five or six years now yeah. doing this pretty much, right? We don't take money out, we put money in uh, yeah. and, our, and a lot of hours. Yeah, it's the same thing with the <laughs> Nimsan project. <laughs> I get the struggle. But but, uh, but I'd say, yeah, definitely get, your, get, get yourself an order and write a nice email, figure out who's behind the record label and send specifically to some record label that you know has a sound that kind of reminds you of what you're producing. Yeah. That yeah, is going to be your family, hopefully. 
Yeah, because there's no reason to like see this every once in a while. I don't see it, but I hear about it. Like that uh, people sent like for a tech house label for a techno label, they sent like Afro House or something yes. like that. Oh, it's even like we got a full disco album. You did? Yes. Why the? F- But our emails kind of enter into some sort of weird database, and then I don't know. We get a lot of weird stuff. I'd say yeah, a lot yeah. of the music we get. By email, like cold calling, if you can say that, people yeah. we don't know, it's very rare that we sign it. It's happened, but it's super rare that it works out. Usually it's someone who's in the like uh, environment already yeah. that Does we it- kind of get to know. Or like uh, for last year, I think we, we do this uh, one year, once a year compilation, mini compilation with five tracks on. Yeah. Some of the artists we find by asking some of the artists we already have signed and say, who do you know? Do you know yeah. anyone cool? Who do you think okay. could uh, bring us something? So, so it's network based often. So yeah. artists talk to artists, talk to artists. But how, how do you? How do you? Like, let's say, like you really want to release on blindfold. Yes. But you're sitting in Dublin or something like that. Yeah. Like, how do you reach out to you guys? With, and you and they don't know anyone that you know, perhaps. Like, how do you, like, reach out to you? Do you write in an email first saying, hey, I really like what you're doing? or some, like? I'd say a lot of the stuff is not happening on email anymore. It's happening on, on social media. On social media. So yeah. people f- figure out who you are on Facebook. Everyone says yes to everyone on Facebook in hopes of them bringing <laughs> you to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I have close to 3,000 friends on Facebook. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why. But, but, yeah. And then, then you just, like, reach out? In the comment section or of like a release or something like It could be commenting on releases. If you fit this, the profile of a record label, then you would probably start commenting on it and then eventually move on. Or you could just be, hey, we like what you're doing. Come with a compliment. Say something. Kind of introduce yourself. Make yourself known. Okay. That would be a way. And then say, hey, it's not all the time like we have time to listen to people's demos, right? But... Mm. They might just shoot it over on a messenger and say, "Hey, do you like? Do you want to listen to this? Or could you give me feedback? Or what are you looking for? Do they could ask, ask what kind of sounds are you looking for for releasing at the moment and yeah. kind of see if it fits? Show an interest. Uh, research the the record label you want to send music to. Yeah, because I mean, if you and it makes sense because if you get like a thousand demos for yeah. a month, I mean, if you've interacted with the label on their Facebook or on their Twitter or something like that, they're gonna like your name is gonna somehow pop out, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's uh, at least for us it's worked that way. It's that it's it's uh, it's the relationship. And the stuff as Bime that we've signed elsewhere, all of them are Facebook relations we've made beforehand. All booked. So Watergate was uh, primarily based on people us booking someone from a Watergate record label to play in Copenhagen. Three years ago, the first time, but kind of like making ourselves known to that person, and then that would be our spearhead to get into the A and R. Because if you're at Watergate, then you probably get ten thousand emails. So yeah. it's even more difficult to kind of figure out and go through the clutter. So yeah. a lot of it would be an A and R will have a network of artists they know, and again, it's the same thing. They'll ask, "Who do you know? Do you know anyone that's cool we should be checking out right now?" So. So when do you know that you're ready to release music as an artist on a label? Like when do you know that all right, I've been producing enough in my studio now, now I need to release yeah. tracks. 
Because I'm sitting with that struggle, right? Yeah. Like, when do you know that your track is ready, like your sound is there and stuff like that? You kind of have to be brave, right? Yeah. Because uh, usually there can be an inner demon, te- inner demon telling you that you're not ready, uh, the track's not finished yet, or you want to kind of keep polishing it. I've heard about it, yeah. Yes, <laughs> and that's very common, and most people do this. Yeah. Um, I would say it's at least figuring out if you can find a sparring partner or someone that you trust uh, their opinion and then they have time to actually give you feedback on the music that you're making. Ask them, do you think I'm ready to send this to a record label? Yeah. Um, that's a really good start because you can't send it to your mom because your mom's going to be, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. No, you have to send it to someone who is not going to tell you it's amazing. So Michael yeah. sent his music to me to begin with, and I didn't say it was amazing. I gave him a lot of feedback. Yeah. Uh, not so much anymore. It's very <laughs> very rare now compared, right? But, yeah. but at least uh, you need someone who can give you honest feedback and you need to be able to hear it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can always find a record label to, to, to release something on, but... Uh, if you want to look at some some of the more serious ones, it's the quality has to be good enough. You can always find you can even like if you go on Beatport, you can find music that's out of key or not even mastered properly that's released on record labels. If you look like down in the very basement of Beatport's yeah. catalog, yeah, I've found a few releases where I've been like, "What? How the fuck did this get released?" Yes, everything can get released. That's the thing. So that's that's not what matters. What matters is like I would say quality control and try, try and uh, you can also maybe start out sending it to people you like and admire and ask them, hey, do you want this for free? Yeah. Get it mixed professionally. That's also a good. Let's say you don't have the perfect studio set up at home. If yeah. you're you're only starting out, then you don't have acoustics played for a lot of money, and you don't have the right speakers, and you don't need all this. You need as an artist, you only need the idea and kind yeah. of finishing on that idea. Everything else you can you can buy. It's not too expensive to get someone to mix your music. It's not too expensive anymore to uh, to get it mastered yourself. No. And if you're not willing to spend that money, then you're not ready. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think there's this sort of uh, common misconception uh, where I, at least when I first got started, uh, and for a long time actually, I thought like I had to do everything myself. I had to like produce the music. I had to mix the music. I had to master the music. Yeah. Where I'm like now, I'm like, Meh. there's definitely credibility in it, and, and this the scene is still at least for 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 electronic music, techno, and house. It's still kind of frowned upon if someone else has produced it for you. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, that's you. Like, if you haven't been involved in the process, you buy a full-on ghost producer to make tracks for you. I mean, the idea still have to be yours but if you get a track mixed and mastered by yeah. someone else the idea is still yours the track wouldn't be there if or yeah. the idea wouldn't be yeah I'd say it's like mixing is still a creative task uh, yeah. there are decisions you make in the mix that can have an effect on how the end product is gonna gonna be but that's, at least true, yeah. for me and Michael we decided that okay it's probably better we get someone to do it because we can actually hear that well in our studio yeah. Uh, at least when we were we started out, it's like okay, it's terrible sound in here. It was didn't have acoustics and we didn't have the gear yet. No. So let's just outsource that and focus on what's important for us. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I get mean, them, get them done, and then you have to be brave enough to kind of send it out, put it out into the world, and let people play it. Yeah, and maybe even play it yourself if you have gigs as a DJ. Then go out and play and play it out. Every time, every chance you get, you're the only person who has this track that's actually a very unique quality 
for producers who are also DJs. They can play it and they can test it before it's done. They can try it out and see, did it work? Did it not work? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It gives you a unique style when you're DJing. The more, the, yeah. the more unreleased tracks you have and the more you play of that, that's the reason to book you. Yeah. True. Same goes for a live set. If you yeah. decide to go down that. Go down that road. Yes. Yeah. But that's a whole nother... That's a whole nother yeah. ordeal rather than... But it's the only way to kind of be unique today is the network you have, meaning what promos do you get? Yeah. And what do you produce yourself that no, that you haven't given away to anyone else yet? So yeah. the smaller circle, the more exclusive you are. And if the music that you get and produce is good, you will have a value that's higher than anyone else, than a lot of uh, other DJs at least, yeah. because anyone can learn to mix. Yeah. But yeah, not true. everyone, like in the, in the back in the day, it would be vinyl. Like there's only five copies in Denmark of this vinyl. It's, a, it's like, it's not infinite. It's finite. You have to go see this DJ, otherwise you'll never hear this track again. That's true. Th- that's not the case anymore. Everything is available and there's way too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's a flooded market. Yeah. It's a flooded market and it's hard to find good quality. So make it yourself. True. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. Um, actually, I think we are, we've somehow managed. I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't believe that this would ever happen. I always, like, write too many questions. Yeah. Um, but we're actually at the very end now. And uh, as you may know, I have, uh, I like to ask, like, uh, some quick questions. Mm-hmm. And you have to answer them as quickly as you can. I'll try. You'll try? All right. So the first one is, what is your favorite plugin or gear at the moment? Um, I'd still, I'd still, I'd still say probably uh, <laughs> Saturn, the Saturator. <laughs> yeah. Saturn, the Saturator. Oh. <laughs> it's a nice, uh, it's a nice plugin that will, besides bringing saturation, you can do it based on uh, like an EQ. So yeah. you can decide the warmth, the, yeah, right, yeah. the warmth has to be in the in the low bottom area or when it's on the mids, uh, and you yeah. can kind of mix it up. And it has super high qualities. Like yeah. it, it's definitely beefed up a lot of bime tracks yeah. where a bass had sounded super boring yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. You and Michael have been uh, like plugging and pitching me to yeah. uh, get. Uh, we don't work for. We don't get any <laughs> any money from. No, from you, you just really love that product. Oh, okay. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, the next one is, what did you wish you knew back when you first got started in the music industry? I'd say the most important thing, lesson I can give you now is be nice and go and meet people. Don't be afraid to say hello to people. Yeah. It's a, it, One thing is making music, the other is networking. Because a lot of the, for instance, how do you get DJ gigs if you don't have any music? You need to know people, otherwise they'll never book you. One. Two, if you don't know anyone who can teach you about the certain things, you're going to be too isolated. So uh, doing collabs with someone you met off the, off, uh, off the internet is also a good thing because you come from different uh, backgrounds, probably use different things. So you learn from each other. So it's all about network. Go and say hi. Go to the clubs. Be brave. Try and see if you can be part of a group or make your own crew. Yeah, that's it, I think. <laughs> Network, network, network. Network, network, network. All right. You will not be able to make it alone. This is a joint effort. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really, really good advice, yeah. actually. Um, all right. The third question is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And this doesn't have to be music-related. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think uh, one of the things I wish I had done, uh, start early. Start early. Yes. And I th- one of the things that I'm talking about here is regards to the record label. Uh, at least if you live in, in some countries, you get grants when you're studying, meaning that you don't have to work on the side or you don't have to work that much and you have a lot of spare time, a lot of spare time. Yeah. If you have an idea and something that doesn't cost too much money, you can work pretty much part-time at least on your dream. Why yeah. not start early on? Yeah. I started Blindfold, uh, I think it was uh, second, like almost finishing my master's. If I'd started as a bachelor, I could have used every everything I did in my school, I would have used it as a case for what I was doing yeah. at the same time. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I would have had, like, my, my problem today is actually I don't have enough time. Yeah. I don't have enough time to do what I want to do now because I have, I need to provide, so I have I have to pay rent, I have to do all these things, and then money is not providing that at the moment, so I have to have a separate job, meaning I have to work a lot more than most people, and yeah. I have to be willing to make sacrifices. Start early. Start early. You have so, so much time before you are fin- fin- when you finish studying and you start working, you don't have that much time anymore. Start early, well, and keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice advice. Yeah. Yeah, because I wish I started Nim Sound a lot earlier as well. Yeah. I mean, what? And like, it's important to fail. Yeah. Fail fast, fail hard, <laughs> and learn. Don't do the same mistake twice. True. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should get like a dummy mic in here and be like, so people can do like a mic drop. Like, boom. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Or, like, I should get, like, one of those uh, Rode uh, Procaster. Have you seen that? I think it's called. Like, where you can have, like, uh, air horns and shit. Like, yes. Beep, 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 beep. You can get it as an app for your phone. Oh, you can? Mm-hmm. Of course you can. Of course you can. Um, so, for the people who want to uh, hook up with you online, where can they find uh, Bime? Um, they can find Bime and the Blindfolds <laughs> yeah. record label. Both of them, if you just search B-A-I-M-E, Bime. It's probably going to be a link anyways in the description of your favorite podcast service saying who's talking right now. Yeah. Blindfold recording, same thing. We're on all social medias. Um, if you're a local, uh, hit me up on Facebook. Maybe I'll help you out. Yeah. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Uh, I don't give that much advice on tracks anymore, but if it's strategy related or you really want to talk about how do you go to the next level, I'm available available to talk sometimes at least. So, yeah, and that's my full name. You would have to find me on uh, Facebook, yeah. but I'm pretty sure you can. If you can Google it, you can find me, and then I might be able to help you. All right. Well, we're uh, gonna link to everything except your private profile on Facebook. Yeah, uh, in that's the why I said try and Google it. <laughs> yeah. Try and see if you can find me. <laughs> um, on that note, I think that's about it. Uh, thank you for dropping by. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you're welcome. That was a really cool and great conversation with Jens. Uh, I really learned a lot today, and if I ever manage to finish a track, I will definitely call Jens and. Uh, you know, get some advice on uh, where to go now. Um, if you have a question for Jens and you need some advice uh, for your music career, um, I definitely think you should hit him up on uh, Facebook. He is a uh, he's a proper nice guy, and he will definitely help you out. So um, yeah, 
try to see if you can find him on Facebook. It's uh, it, it, it will definitely be worth your while. Um, all right, that's it for today. Um, thank you so much for listening uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or you know wherever you're listening from. And uh, thank you if you've been uh, watching this on uh, YouTube. And uh, it goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyways. <laughs> um, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with a friend. It is really, really appreciated, uh, and we love the support that you are providing for this show. Um, yeah, my name is Casper Stoop, and I just want to tell you to keep at it and stay passionate. I will see you when I see you. Bye.